0: Like none of the Christmas shit, nothing like that. No, it was crazy.
1: I don't know. People, people really like the idle hands. That's what it is.
0: I they really do. It's funny that one, and it's kind of the two, the two Tosh ones. They like maybe it's maybe that's our key. Like the Reddit crowd, you got to have a babe on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably hey Tosh uh here's our regular show but if you just happen to take a picture of you listening to it but with like next to your boobs (laughs) (laughs) that'll be our thumbnail and uh
1: (laughs) yeah exactly there's a picture of Tosh and a a low-cut top with headphones on next to a monitor that has the, the show's logo
0: exactly dude or like or like me like talking into the mic and like her boobs like on my head or something (laughs) yeah just have her exactly just have her in the intro where it's just like us talking i'll just clip in some random shit she said and And then the trap of it when it's just us talking about dumb shit
1: Yeah, oh, they keep thinking like when is she gonna come back home? yeah
0: when's the chick with the big boobs gonna talk Never. that's it we got you bait and switch bitch <laughs>
1: <laughs> we used our resources to pull ahead yep. that's what capitalism's bet
0: American dream motherfucker here we go <laughs> <laughs> alright hold on hold on Hello and welcome to another episode of Dick's Talk Flicks. My name is Billy, and this week we'll be trying something a little different. We will be watching a couple episodes from one of my all-time favorite shows, Rocco's Modern Life. Joining me on the other end of the mic is the man formerly known in the Guild Wars universe as Canston the Gaint. (laughs) Uh, That's a
1: name I haven't heard in a long time.
0: (laughs) Back in those mystical realms.
1: Those <laughs> mystical days when I was an impetuous child on the internet. <laughs> and yeah. I couldn't spell for shit.
0: <laughs> Nowadays, he's dropped that misspelled giant in favor for just Greg. Greg, how you doing, man?
1: I'm alright. Uh, I did eventually go back to Guild Wars and absolve myself of that sin. Uh, <laughs> my, my, my second character was a, a monk named Helpful Bob, and they just healed everybody, and they carried me all the way to endgame.
0: I remember that. I remember that. That shit was like intriguing when I stumbled upon your monk, dude.
1: He was like four feet tall. <laughs> yeah. Nice he was bald, too.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Greg just went uh, around handing up free hugs, apparently, and they, they were like, let's, <laughs> let's take this guy to the end. <laughs> MMOs, man. Fuck the dreams back then. Well, as I mentioned before, we'll be going through a few episodes I've hand picked out from the 1993's hit show, Rocco's Modern Life. These are a couple of my personal favorites that I actually really wanted to share with my brother Greg. So, Greg, along the lines, have you ever seen Rocco's Modern Life before?
1: I have, and I hope whoever's listening is listening on a Saturday morning with their pajamas on and their favorite breakfast night, because we're gonna get deep into this one uh rock is modern life i remember watching it a long time ago as a kid Uh, i think we should go into the the history of Nickelodeon because my perspective of that channel is probably a lot different from yours from what i know of just offhand information and hearing about it occasionally in videos and stuff like that Nickelodeon was basically like the cartoon network of its heyday it just it was a smaller channel that just took starving artists and basically just gave them a platform to just do whatever they
0: wanted yeah exactly dude uh nickelodeon they were almost kind of like the teenage mtv dude they were willing to let even if it was weird and uh, a little too out there or too creative they were willing to let anything fly at this moment in time so so i got all the cool shit, dude i got all the the growing pains of clarissa explains it all and and this and oh man salute your shorts. And, like, you know, the list goes on and on, all the way till the end of, like, kind of that time when it started growing into you, when it was, like, more Angry Beavers into, like, uh, you know, uh, Amanda Show and then iCarly's and then Drake yeah. and Josh and stuff. But it,
1: yeah, it slowly devolved into the, the Disney Channel, essentially. But exactly. Drake and Josh is probably, I mean, that's one of my favorite sitcoms I've ever watched, I think.
0: I watched it more grown I guess like at least a high school kid or something and it's still one of my favorite shows that shit was awesome. It's genuinely fantastic. It was the best. It started from the Amanda show which I mm-hmm. which started from all that which was, you know, like the the teenage version of uh SNL and like in living yeah. color. Yeah, and they weren't willing, like Nickelodeon just like MTV wasn't worried about race or any of that bullshit. They were like let everyone do their thing. It's it's free. Mm-hmm. Why not try it? What about your... You wanted to get into it. What about your experience with Nickelodeon? Like, what's your...
1: So, my earliest memory of Nickelodeon, I think, is Rugrats. And then I I genuinely remember when Spongebob was airing on TV, when it was, like, the pilot. But they were advertising it like crazy. Like, don't miss the pilot episode of the show. Blah, blah, oh, blah, yeah. Blah. And, man, if you want to talk about a show that just catches you completely off guard the pilot of spongebob with the licensed music of tiny tim and all the weird shit that happened in that show it's it's no wonder that it's still on the air like now what over a decade later like 15 years even
0: greg more than that dude when i when i was a little kid it actually first aired and i remember my buddy this is like fourth or fifth grade or something i remember my buddy telling me about that episode where he's like uh, the murderer's over there, you know, and it's really just Spongebob, like, uh, across the street. Patrick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember my buddy telling me about that in, like, fifth grade, and then the show just didn't do good and it died. And then, much like Family Guy and stuff, they brought it back in, like, 2000 or whatever, and it just exploded. Yeah. What's funny is one of the trivia things, so this was created by the infamous Joe Murray. When they gave him the job in Nickelodeon, they gave him free reins to his own studio. He could hire whatever he wants. He's basically opening up, Joe Murray's dream studio, you know? When Murray first opened the studio, he brought in animators from The Simpsons, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, things like that, just cast-offs from the show. Some of them later on went on to make like really popular shows like Spongebob, which we just spoke about, Adventure Time, Phineas and Ferb, just on and on and on, which, you know, they're like, when you think of coaching trees and sports, you kind of think of Joe Murray a little bit when it comes to just, like, modern uh, intellectual animation.
1: Just really out there kind of weird what do you want to call it not really counterculture but just kind of doing whatever the hell they felt like just because it made them laugh kind of thing
0: not afraid to shit on the norms but also like express your feelings for how the modern world is and everything right it's awesome and all that shit flew too there's a lot of sexual undertones in this show as well which i actually will get to a little bit in the trivia later on uh, and in the first, one of the first episodes, even yeah. <laughs> I was really nervous. Uh, I'll get to it when we get there, but they've been editing everything so much lately that I heard that one was taken out.
1: Oh, I'm so glad it wasn't. That's one of the, the big all time jokes from this show.
0: Absolutely. I still quote it to the day. He, Tosh fucking, I've been torturing her all week from watching the, uh, the last episode on this and just yelling the intro to the show
1: <laughs> all week long, man. <sighs>
0: oh yeah i was just gonna say one of my favorite things about the show is just like being able to get nostalgic a little bit like it forces me to watch these certain things like what can i think of to make my brother greg watch you know what stupid horror movie you know but it actually like revitalizes a little love for some movies like i i have a little list created up but one thing i was gonna say is like as outgoing as energetic as i am like most of my childhood i spent alone really and right. but luckily at my dad's house he had cable and like fate, dude, the cartoons on cable rocked, you know, like like we were saying in Nickelodeon <laughs> yeah. cartoons. So, and, and, and the time that I was indulging in them like completely because I had no one to talk to outside of the house or in the house. So uh, I was sucked into Rocco and Johnny Bravo, Cow and Chicken, dude, Dexter's Lab. All of that shit was just all about it. Uh, it kind of helped shape like the humor that I have now. And like my ex- right. my expressive mouth that never seems to just fucking shut the fuck up and just says what it is, you know. So I guess along the lines, what I had written down kind of pulls from what you asked about Nickelodeon and how it was growing up for me. It just made me like be really creative, but also like express my feelings at all times, which to my detriment and to my benefit, you know, but fuck yeah. it, why live any other way, you know? Yeah, might
1: as well be irreverent. Mm-hmm.
0: They were colorful and creative and as unedited, or at least how they can sneak it in there as unedited as they could be. And that's hmm. kind of that's kind of how it was, that's kind of how I still try to be, I suppose. Uh, do you have anything else to say or you just want to jump into it, man?
1: I think we're ready.
0: Hell yeah.
2: <laughs> Good as new. Rockers, modern life. Rockers, modern life. Rockers, modern life.
0: Alright, dude. So, we get the sick, modern, Rocco's Modern Life intro. He's running through all the characters of the show, you know. It's
1: the original intro, the didgeridoos and stuff like that.
0: Yup, before they got uh, the B-52s to sing it. Oh shit, really? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, I'll get to that, the trivia, man. I will reveal one trivia, though, is at the end of it, when the TV falls on him, when Joe Murray was a young child, he was five years old, a TV fell on him, he had an accident. Huh? Nothing ever happened to him, but the doctors said something along the lines of maybe that's why he sees the world from a little a different lens, kind of thing. <laughs> right. So he incorporated it into his show, where Rocco at the at the end of the intro has the TV fall onto him, and boom, that's it. He's All right, changed, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Opens his mind. So we're doing three episodes on this, and starting episode one is Sucker for the Succomatic. We get a horror-esque thunderstorm intro. It's black and white. Rocco's yelling at something. You just get like the shadowy image of him hammering and yelling at something. It's his vacuum. He hates it, dude. It, it never works properly, apparently. Yeah.
1: The way it's framed, though, makes it look like he's yelling at Hef because he's yeah. just sitting on the couch just eating snacks. <laughs> and Rocco's like, you're useless. I hate you. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's, and once you finally see the vacuum, it's clearly in bad shape. It's all frayed. The wire is fucked up. Spunky goes and, and bites the cord, which electrocutes him, which actually <laughs> turns the vacuum on for a couple minutes. Yeah. Heifer, he's being lazy as shit. Just watch a TV zoning out. All the news channels are just, he's cycling through or just telling him how terrible life is. Just nothing's changed, man. It's the same as it is now. Yeah. Just as the TV goes out, the vacuum also finally dies. After picking up all that garbage, and it quotes as it's dying, it says, Rosebud. Rose gets- <laughs> it's
2: so
1: funny, though, because as he's, he's trying to pick up stuff. I had it in my notes. He tries to suck up a paperclip, and he tries it over and over and over again. And he just finally picks it up with his fingers to put into the vacuum, and the vacuum just spits it back at
0: him. Bro, I was a custodian for almost eight years, and that paperclip joke is the real deal, dude. I know. I've done it.
1: It's happened to me so many times.
0: What a fucking nightmare that them and erasers. (laughs) This is also the second movie that quoted Rosebud as they died. Yeah. Well, he also did that when he pulled the grenades on him. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it. So just as the vacuum dies, of course, like fate, an infomercial kicks on. And it's taking advantage of Rocco's weakness. He's clearly sad at this moment. The infomercial claims, suck-o-matic, dude, this is the perfect product. It has everything. It it can it can improve your hairstyle. It can improve your batting average. Uh, it makes your dick bigger. It does everything." <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, and it's uh it's being advertised on the, the the Lobato Shop channel.
0: Oh yeah, which is awesome for a home shopping network. It's just sucking your damn brains out.
1: and they are advertising tapeworm farms. and I gotta (laughs) mention just in terms of like the the edginess of like 90s cartoons like you said just like sneaking things in there as Heffa's flipping through the channels the first one he lands on is some news report from Washington DC and somebody's just opening fire into the president's parade or whatever
0: right talk about Simpsons did it they look at Rocco they're doing it too you know god damn crazy
2: you know Heffa Sometimes I think I was destined to exist in an endless world of filth.
3: Do you sometimes think you were destined to exist in an endless world of filth? <laughs> well not anymore, when you order the incredible Sock-o-matic! Ooh, Sock-o-matic. <laughs> Folks, the Suckle Manic is not just a vacuum cleaner. It's also a tree pruner, ball polisher, telephone answering machine, boil answer, pizza oven, strategic defense, bunker, batteries not included, and bidet, as well as a very crude liposuction machine. <laughs> That's not all. It cleans colons, corduroy, comments, calculators, clarinets, couches, cassettes, cotton, and a host of products that start with letters other than C. It can improve hairstyles, attitudes, bunions, rheumatism, world politics, batting averages, and at the same time, rid the world of rotors, unwanted nasal hair, and just look at it, saw through this steel eye beam. So order the suck today, the most help-horrific household device on the face of the earth! Now only 99.95 Must,
2: must buy succomatic. Yes, I want to order the succomatic, the most help-horrific household device on the face of the earth.
0: Rocco, he totally falls for this. He says, I must have the succomatic. He calls the show. He orders it immediately, dude. And you know what? It shows up to his door like we all wish it would as soon as he hangs up the phone. Giant fucking only, box, dude. Yeah,
1: he's only got to sign a million times. And then they ask him where he wants it, and they just shove it through his front door. <laughs> yeah. It's so big it won't even fit.
0: It's, it smashes him on the way down. Heffer opens it up. He he reads this giant list of warnings. He's reading the giant list of warnings as Spunky's eating, like, packing peanuts on the floor and shit like that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and,
0: he, <laughs> and he gets super exploded with them like pigeons do. <laughs> but this vacuum, dude, it's huge. You can ride it. it and Rocco even mentions, like, this looks nothing like it did in the commercial. <laughs> yeah. He, he starts using it. He's like, let's just start cleaning the carpet. And we get shots. It's like Suckozilla coming up to like a big city of bugs and they're all <laughs> running from it and shit like that. Uh, we get a big sucking montage. It even gets a little out of hand. It starts going nuts. It even sucks the screen away uh sucks santa and an airplane through the fireplace it's so fucking strong <laughs> yeah. rocco's impressed as shit he's stoked uh they're cleaning everything they they even go out and clean his car they start cleaning the street they're like what else can we do man <laughs> after all this crazy cleaning after going down the street literally like sucking up trees and shit heifer uh,
1: yeah there's a uh There's another scene. When they're going around outside sucking up the lawn and stuff. Uh, Another scene I noted was uh, it shows this really idyllic scene of just his grass and all the flowers and stuff that have been grown there. And it shows pictures of like these fairies who are just these bodacious babes who are just butt-ass naked (laughs) flying around like getting nectar out of the flower petals and stuff. And then when it when it sucks all that up it just shows this guy who's got binoculars on and his underwear and he's panting all heavily. I feel like if this show that less sensors he'd probably just be jerking off
0: oh yeah dude if they could do it if it was comedy central or something yeah yeah 100 they're really good at it with those like satire cuts dude it's funny as shit but after all this suck in motion dude heffer suggests they should take a lunch break he's always hungry anyway you know but Rocco, he can't stop the suck dude it won't turn off it literally has a mind of its own all it's
2: sucking is making me hungry let's go Sucking.
3: It's sucking, suck. I am the suckomatic, the most horrific household device on the face of the earth. It's got a mind of its own.
2: Prepare to eject! <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that again. <laughs> what do we do now?
0: It ejects them. It throws them off. And it just keeps on sucking. Rocco, then he's like, he threatens to return it. And the suck hears that and sucks in the receipt, and now it's pissed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it starts sucking the house as they run inside and hide. And they're just hiding around the door. Everything else gets sucked sucked apart like a tornado.
1: Yeah. Heffer gets the idea of using the manual to figure out how to turn it off. And then it sucks up <laughs> the first few pages. To, and then it goes to a page that says, if the instructions to turn it off have been sucked up, go to page 101 or whatever. <laughs> it sucks up that too, and it's just a page bright red on it says prepare to die yeah
0: it says if this happens prepare to die it's so <laughs> <bad>. <laughs> oh man
2: how to
3: turn off the suck o in case suck sucks instructions see page
2: 101
0: uh, we get a long sucking montage after that as they're about to die. As they're getting sucked in, All they all three, him, Heifer, and uh, Spunky, they all puke into the dude's mouth, <laughs> into Suckomatic's mouth. He starts gagging and he passes out. Turns out he got a potato chip stuck in his throat. One of the potato chips that Heifer was chowing on.
1: Dated 73. What a good
0: year. <laughs> yeah, all is saved. But Heffer's divest is still hungry, so he pulls it out and quotes the date, how old it is. Uh, which revives the sucko, of course. And then the succo just goes berserk and sucks everybody in. End scene. We pan to the crew. They're back... They're watching TV on the couch again in the dark. Slowly starts panning out as an infomercial is telling you to buy shit.
1: Yeah, do it. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) As they pan out, it turns out everybody lives inside these suckos now. It replaces their house. A guy's even running down the street (laughs) with a sucko chasing him. Yeah, an infomercial just keeps repeating, do it do it, do it, as the episode ends.
2: Welcome back to the Labata Shop Network. Today we have a new line of Bert and Berkey products we just know you want to buy. Right now. That's right. Pick up your phone and order Right now. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it.
0: Greg, did you have any quick thoughts on this episode?
1: Uh, not to be too pretentious or to go into it. Uh, <laughs> Too deeply. Obviously, it's an episode about commercialism and how you get tricked into buying things, but how it also kind of rules your life. Like the succomatics replacing everyone's houses is kind of like the new trend taking over, and everyone's got one of these things now, and you'd have to be dumb not to buy one of these things, and how that sort of commercial tactics just kind of invade people's brains and just make them want it, even if they don't really need it.
0: It's like the new cool, the new necessity is actually something terrible, but you end up just living with it anyway because everyone else does. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. All this stuff in Nickelodeon shows, they were throwing at us from a young age, man. They were trying
1: to <laughs> trying to feed it to us <laughs> subconsciously.
0: They were t- trying to warn us of what their friends were doing. This is, this is the world they're making. Yeah, no, I agree. I personally relate to this, like, growing up in the infomercial age. That shit was on nonstop, you know? Not so much any—maybe it is. I don't know. I don't have TV anymore, but—
1: it is well that was another thing i wanted to talk about too because what with the commercial and stuff like that they were flashing images on screen that had nothing to do with the product and obviously that's like a funny gag or whatever, but they still do that in ads nowadays. I mean, it's the big meme, you know, with car commercials or whatever. There'll be this sad story about how this guy overcame cancer after his girlfriend dumped him and yeah. his kids don't talk to him anymore. And then, very last second, boom, it's a car commercial. Like, advertisements will do this thing where they will show you images or they'll tell you something to make you associate their product with whatever it is that they're showing you so that subconsciously in your mind when you think about that you also think oh i could really use a honda civic or a vacuum cleaner or whatever
0: Exactly. It even goes to as simple as, like, wear this cologne and these fucking big-breasted babes will suck all your dicks. (laughs) Turbulent juice, bro.
1: (laughs) I haven't seen a good commercial like that in a while, but I remember back in the 90s, commercials like that used to be fucking crazy. There's a really infamous ad with Pamela Anderson uh, advertising the Whopper, and she's just, like, half-naked on a sports car with a Whopper in hand. She doesn't actually eat it. She just has one.
0: Yep, I remember it.
1: that was burger king
0: i think that was the the early 2000s actually i remember that exactly i remember they made a big deal about even filming it whatever i digress so (laughs) you ready to go into episode two Part
1: two of... Uh, of
0: episode, episode, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, each episode's only 10 minutes long. There's, like, well, I guess 20 minutes long where there's two episodes per episode kind of thing. Kind of, which is another thing that young Billy and modern Billy greatly appreciated because I have, like, one of the worst ADDs on the planet, it feels like. So, if you're gonna rapidly just smash 10 minutes of content at me at a time, like, flash pace, you know? I'm all down. <laughs> so, for sure. For sure. All right. I think it was
1: more necessity thing back then too but it is definitely very nice to have that brisk face with episodes
0: I mean it's kind of a norm now with Adult Swim and everything Nickelodeon had it first really Nickelodeon I guess Cartoon Network did too but anyway enter in part two of this episode one of my all-time personal favorites and I swear to god I still quote this episode to this day even though I haven't seen it in a long time until now for the show episode called Canned So we pan into a huge conglomerate comic book store. Rocco, he's working behind the counter. Nobody's in this giant store anyway. And Filbert, of all people, his friend Filbert the Turtle, he's there doing the comic book thing, just being annoying.
1: You always just see those guys and nerd stores always used to you know how it is these days but there's always just that one guy who just wants to gab nonstop to the clerk about literally anything <laughs> and filbert is of course talking to him about the most boring <laughs> thing possible he's talking about how he's so hypoallergenic that he has to wash his hands every time he turns a page oh that's so <laughs> funny and Rocco's just
0: zoned out because he's probably heard this every day for years you know yeah The
2: problem with comic books is the ink comes off on your hands. Every time you turn the page, you have to wash your hands. You turn the page, you wash your hands. You turn the page, you wash your hands. And then you turn the page, and and then you wash your hands. (laughs) Rocco to the manager's office.
0: Rocco gets called on the intercom to the office. As he's dreadfully walking there, he passes these two nerds in the hallway. It is like one of the funniest conversations, dude.
1: This made me laugh out loud, just because it's like it predicted internet arguments and stuff too. It's this guy; he's talking about how. He'll- so beautiful that if you ever met one, you'd spend the rest of your life looking for another one just because nothing else would compare. And he's got a hat on his Heart up, El- and his shirt says Fanboy, and I forget what his comic says. But then the other guy is just like, wow, you're an idiot.
2: <laughs> You'll never be satisfied with a mortal woman because the elf wenches are so beautiful. You'll spend the rest of your life searching for that same beauty again. Yes. Wow. You're an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) That's one of the
0: best jokes, bro. So Rocco finally, he enters the boss's office. It's this big booger-eating boss, dude. He says, Rocco, you're being promoted, dude. You're being promoted so high that you're actually being fired. Get the hell out of here, Rocco, you loser.
1: (laughs) Yeah. My my favorite part of mine with that one, too, is... Some secretary or something is trying to talk to him and he just yells at her, he says, Don't interrupt me
0: <laughs> Yeah, he's the classic <laughs> fucking douche boss, dude. Just
1: douche boss. Yeah, yeah. he's going for promote Rocco, but then he tells him all this corporate jargon about how they're trying to cut down on workplace lack of productivity or whatever. So Rocco goes, Oh, okay, so what does that mean? He means he means you're fired. You <laughs> yeah. the paintball. Around
0: his, around his head oh man typical like fall forward bosses think he's fucking awesome mm-hmm. so afterwards we cut to spunky he's at home he's eating the uh salmon off the salmon bushes from mr Bighead's bushes which is rocco's neighbor he's a big frog mr Bighead fucking hates everything rocco and he sees spunky doing this so he he chases spunky all the way back home to which spunky's like starving rocco joins him at home spunky's starving so much that he's drooling his water dish full and then drinking it and drooling it full again <laughs> yeah. the bills are even racking up Rocco's broke, there's no food dude but he's got the want ads so things might be looking up first up on the list, we got a tattoo parlor, cut to Rocco he's drilling into like this big rhino or mouth or whatever and the rhino is claiming he wants a can of beans on the top of his mouth
1: yeah, it says Gloria on it <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah so that doesn't work out clearly next scene, it's a plumber it's one of my favorite ones, dude. The plumber, uh, he's bent, to, he's under the sink, and his pants keep falling down. And Rocco, his only job is just to pull him back up every time the plumber goes. Hey, could you get that? Thanks a lot.
1: <laughs> 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 it just goes on for five or six. Months. Oh yeah, dude, it's
0: like a solid thirty seconds. Next one up, another one that's like notorious, dude. This is the quote that I say all the time, but it's clearly a phone sex operator, but it's made to seem like a telemarketer. But in the background, on the thing, says like, "Be hot, be, be naughty, <laughs> be, be <curious>. <laughs> <laughs> And he just answers the phone with no context. It doesn't have anyone on the line. And he says, oh, baby, oh, baby, ooh baby. And it's Mrs. Bighead. <laughs> and she's like, Rocco! And he's, he's like, oh, no, Mrs. Bighead. <laughs> they both hang up at the same time. Yeah. Specialty phone operator. I can do that. Good
2: night. Oh, baby, oh, baby, oh, baby. Rocco. Mrs. Bighead. Oh,
0: that's the best, dude.
1: That's too
2: good.
0: Last one, ad is, of course, the one that everyone seems to settle for, Conglomero. Typical corporate machine. When Rocco pulls up for the interview, there's lizards in suits crawling all over the place. Uh, Big Head pulls up on a screen when he enters in a room. He's like, what do you want? I hate you. And he's like, (laughs) you know what? Actually, I will hire you, but I'll give you the worst job we have. It's the product tester. It's madness, dude. It's like a typical like warehouse with that crazy song going like, do that kind of shit. Yeah, yeah. uh, They're uh, testing
1: all these useless items like siren helmets and an electric slip and slide where if you touch the sides you get electrocuted and a, <laughs> a, a jump strap that jump starts your car.
0: Yeah, it's almost like what you wish OTC really was, but instead it's just a bunch of junk. Yeah. So Mr. Bighead gives Rocco his first test. It's called the Nose Master Three Thousand. Rocco, every time he puts it on, it actually changes your nose to, like, a different animal. To, like, a giraffe one or, like, an elephant or, you know, stuff like that. And every time Rocco does it, he's looking sexy as ever, dude. He's taking, like, photos. He's looking good. Big Head's fucking pissed about it. He can't stand that shit. So he tries it. He just gets two pair, a pair of nose for eyes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he realizes he doesn't have a nose and it just goes over his eyes instead.
0: It's so funny. Next one, it's some gum. That actually, like, makes you grow a tree on your head. And Rocco, like, no matter whatever happens to him, he's always pretty positive. No matter, like, throughout the entirety of the show, not just this episode, he, he tries to, like, stay as level-headed and, and sweet, you know. And, and so a tree grows out of his head, and he's like, oh, people will love this. It's, it's shade.
1: Yeah. You got birds humming? It's great. <laughs> yeah, it's
0: wonderful. Big Head's like, what the fuck, man? Let me try it. And his ends up being some bees on his head.
1: Yeah. And they immediately <laughs> just come down and sing him.
2: Try
3: out some of our new genetically-enhancing chewing gum.
2: Hey, this is really great. Everyone's gonna want one of these. Shade, all the lovely oxygen, birds nesting. This is terrific. That is the
3: dumbest thing I've ever heard.
0: Now it's the dial a do. Again, it's like cool hairdos left and right for Rocco. He's got Elvis. He's got all these badass hairs. Big head tries it. He's mad again. His ends up being a saw blade on his head that starts spinning.
1: <laughs> yeah, Rocco calls it a buzz cut. It's a buzz
0: cut. It's so funny. Big Head's pissed. He's like, "All right, fuck this." Next, and but not least, is the test animal enclosure. And then he says, "You're gonna try out this mad giraffe repellent. It's re- <laughs> it's really big in the market, but we need to test it real quick." Sure enough, they let in the giraffes. Big mob of them. Crazy eyes come running at Rocco. He's out in like the middle of. It's like he's on a uh, gladiator in the middle of like an opening, you know? <laughs> yeah. Sure enough, the spray works, dude. They run right past him. They go right into Mr. Big he's office and trample him. Which he's so pissed he immediately fires Rocco. He says, "This, I've had enough. Get the fuck out of here. Rocco's defeated, dude. Everything he tries doesn't work. On the way home, luckily enough, he sees a wand ad out of the corner of his eye in the window. Sure enough, it's a comic shop, dude. Just open. Next scene, he's already working behind the counter and Filbert is already there talking about turning the pages and washing his hands. <laughs> <laughs> like a like a goddamn Kevin Smith movie, dude.
1: <laughs> Status quo restored.
0: Yep, exactly. Funny enough, booger-eating boss from the first comic book store comes walking in and claims he needs these comics that their store doesn't have. And he also needs some gum, which gives Rocco this bright idea like, hey, I remember some gum that I just had recently. Gives it to the boss. Sure enough, as he drives away, it's the bee head. The The bees get the boss. He crashes. All is well. Happy ending. And the flies go home! Yo, yay! Yeah. <laughs> this
1: whole like, the latter half of the episode, for whatever reason, it just kept cutting back to these flies who would react to everything. And we have All this right. extended gag where they're just, like, temp worker actors or whatever, and they just walk off set. One of them's like, oh, you, you have my resume, right? You're gonna give me a call back.
0: Yeah, they're like, we'll call you when you need you. Thank you. Cut. All right, that's it, boys. We don't need you for the end.
2: Uh-oh, okay. So we're done.
0: Yeah, yeah, if we need you next week, we'll call you.
2: Okay, bye. Bye-bye, take care. Should I uh, just leave the costumes here?
3: Yeah, yeah, Wardrobe will pick those up.
2: You've, uh, you've got my resume, right?
3: Yes, yes, we'll call you. Okay, thanks, bye. Okay, Charlie, kill the light.
0: It's funny, dude. Another, like, third wall breaker a little bit, you know, where you get to see into, like, what it's like in Hollywood type deal. I actually relate to this one a lot, especially lately. But for whatever reason, like, I have terrible luck with jobs. I seem to get, like, the worst possible scenario. So I've cycled through so so many jobs, dude. And especially when I came to Philly, the first job I had was, like, really amazing. And then it, it got bought out by some big company overseas. And then it just closed. So from then on, I was cycling, man, just like Rocco in this story. And funny enough, the day I got fired because of COVID... And various reasons, to be honest. But I, I went home. I saw an ad for a bike shop job that I, I actually have now. And if I wasn't fired, I wouldn't have ever seen it. And fuck, I'm sitting pretty now, dude. I'm living life. So this one especially always hits home to me. Just because I always feel like I was in a perpetual motion of finding a job. And now especially, I, I finally found a cool one. Just like Rocco does for the most of the show, really.
1: It always feels like the best jobs are the ones that you just happen to fall into.
0: It seems like most things in life are accident. The best things, I yeah. mean. Yeah. I guess what's a a quick thought you had about this episode, Greg?
1: Uh yeah. I mean that's it's obviously comes from a very personal place for the the creators, too. I think a lot of people who just go around job hunting have similar experiences of just, uh, let's try this one. Uh, nope, that didn't work. Uh, maybe this one will be better. Nope, nope. And eventually you just get so desperate, but then you find that one job that you're able to just stick with for a long, long time.
0: I have a really hard time with authority. Not even just authority, but like people abusing their power, I guess. And like I mentioned earlier in the show (laughs) that I think maybe Nickelodeon had a little part in, is I'm not afraid to say it. So uh I'm not afraid to express like how I am feeling. Certain jobs will piss me off and I just don't like the whole like, you know, the corporate structure of shitting on the person below you and making them do most of the work for less way less pay. So it pisses anyway. (laughs) We'll skip on to the last episode, which is a full feature episode, one of only four in the entirety of the series that is a full length episode. It's a
1: very special episode, though.
0: Very special, and it is also one of my all-time favorites. And I, I quote this: as Tosh, she had been completely tormented all week of me yelling the <laughs> opening to the show in this one." Uh, we have ourselves the one and only Wacky Deli.
1: And this one's got the, the newer intro, as you were saying, sung by the B-52s. That's the one I always remember when I was a kid.
0: Yeah, fuck it. Along that line, dude, I'll just read that now. So the the B-52s actually sang the intro song from season two on. And funny enough, it was actually Joe Murray's second choice. He originally wanted Danny Elfman, but he was completely booked. So his he accidentally happened to get the B-52s, and we got the iconic song we have today.
1: Yeah, I know. I can't imagine it any other way.
0: That's crazy,
2: right? modern
0: Intro to Big Head Studios. We got two lumps arguing on the screen. They kind of look like the big heads, but they're just like lumpy piles of trash kind (laughs) of. Turns out we're actually in a theater, and this was the first showing of our main character's final episode of his contract with this company. Toadies are watching it. They're telling him it's great. He knows. He doesn't care. He's just like, it doesn't matter. I'm done. This is great. He's stoked. He goes to turn in the last reel to his bosses. He's free, happy as can be. But wouldn't you know it? They claim that they're owed one last pilot episode for a new show. He's pissed, dude. He he thought he was totally out, but yet again, there's a hook into him. Back at the Big Head's house, Mister and Mrs. Big Head, they're throwing a party for their son's return. Rocco and all of them are there too, for some reason, with uh, the 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 Fat Head logo shirt. Yeah, they're the
1: biggest fans.
0: Ralph shows up. Uh, he he's really depressed though, dude. As soon as he opens the door, he's too depressed to even talk. He, claims, he tells his mom, he says, Mom, I thought I was free to do my masterpiece, but the studio, they lured me back in and I have to do one more show for him. Hef overhears this as he's eating all the food from the table. He doesn't even care that Ralph's there. He's eating all the food and he's like, hey, I, I think that sounds like a really good idea. I think doing a show would be really fun. Yeah. He, he pitches a show as he grabs food off the table a bunch random lunch meat and he starts smashing it together and screaming and he's like <laughs> Dude, cutting
1: it apart <laughs> yeah
0: he's like this this will be my show it's real lunch meat it's fucking terrible but lucky enough filbert actually mentions he says it's so bad that it would actually get ralph fired if he did that show
1: yeah it would terminate the contract with whatever studio you have him to sign on with
0: yep and just like that ding 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 Ralph gets the idea. He's stoked as fuck. He's like, you know what? I'm going to hire these dudes in hopes that they get me fired and removed from this contract. They're a little unsure about it. They're like, are you sure? This is kind of strange. But Rocco convinces them. He says, this could be a really fun activity for all of us. Next day, Ralph just pulls up to the Big Head Studios and just dumps the crew out with 20 bucks and, nice. uh, and a cartoon for dummies book. He's like, fuck it. Figure yeah. it out.
1: 700- 7,291 simple steps for a cartoon. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So right away, they start storyboarding ideas for characters. Heifer comes up with one first. His is Sal Ami. Get it? It's Salami. Mm-hmm. Rocco chimes in. He's got Betty Baloney. She's a girl. <laughs> that's a, that's
1: <laughs> her defining characteristic.
0: <laughs> yeah, dude. He's just so nice. Filbert, he pans out. He's got a realistic drawing of a piece of cheese.
1: Yeah, Lester Rookfort Yeah, he
0: names it Lester Which Heffer quickly grabs it and he dumbs it up With his like weird ass goofy pictures And he calls it Mr. Cheese
1: Yeah, Filbert Phil- hates it though.
0: Oh, of course, he just changes his art
2: Step one, design the characters Okay, here's my character His name is Salami Get it? Salami, Salami This is Betty Baloney, she's a girl Okay, this cute little guy I call Lester Roquefort. Let me see. Wow, that looks terrific, Philb. Yeah, this is great. Uh, Can I make one little change? Well, sure. I think it should be more like this. And we could just call him Mr. Cheese.
0: They argue over jokes and scenes through the little storyboard setting. Yeah,
1: it's a scene of an actual, they've got all the pictures up to do the storyboard, and they just keep arguing over the first, basically, five minutes of the actual plot of the episode.
0: Heff will just, like, yell random shit, and be like, write that, put that in there.
1: Oh, put that, that's so funny.
0: Yeah, Filbert keeps going on, he's like, but I want the cheese to be the star, why can't the cheese do all these things?
1: (laughs) is like, the cheese is dumb.
0: (laughs) He hates Filbert's ideas no matter what. Hours and hours later, pissed off Rocco finally goes over their, their big mess of a storyboard that they've delivered. As he reads on, he'll go, and then Heffer will interrupt him and he'll replace a character who could be like, or cheese, you know, instead of salami. And Rocco just repeated all pissed, okay, or cheese. Yeah. Finally, Heff suggests, you know what? Do we even need the cheese at all? Which <laughs> <laughs> Roc- Rocco finally snaps and Filbert gets pissed off too.
2: So Betty wakes up and says, Oh, what a beautiful day! And then the telephone... Or doorbell. Or doorbell ringing. And she answers it and says hello. And then the salami... Or oh, cheese! Or oh, cheese! Says, I hate baloney, and attacks her through the phone before belching while all the stuff comes out of his mouth Where we hold on him for a long time. Okie dokie. So... Then, she walks over to the canner and... Hold
3: it! What? Hmm. You know, I was thinking... Yes!
2: Do we really need the cheese at all? What? Uh, Why, you big stupid... What? Now? What did
0: I say? We're on to step 47 of 7,212 of Cartoon for Dummies, the book, Drawing. Hours go by as they slowly press cells and drawings into this thing. They're totally worn out, dude. They got beards growing already. Their eyes are red and droopy.
1: Doing the, the classic the hand animation back before computers were advanced enough mm-hmm. to just save files and draw over them and stuff like that. Had to do it by hand, and you had to do it like the, the flip books. You had to draw one picture... And then draw that same picture again, but slightly different. And you then had pr- do that a thousand times.
0: You had to press each one. South Park did an episode just like this. Remember when the kids, they had to make a show for like the drive-in theater and they were like grueling too. They're like, we have to cut each mouth? Yeah. Because <laughs> South Park did the cardboard paper at first before it went, they go, went digital and everything. So now we're on the final step of finally putting it to film. So Rocco, he finally snaps from all the arguing, dude. Filbert and Hef, they're attacking each other. They're spilling the reels all over the place. And yeah. <laughs> as they're hearing it for Ralph, he walks in, dude, and he's happy as hell. He cannot wait to show this piece of shit disaster that they have. What's funny is, like, when Heifer is hitting Filbert in this part, Rocco's still in the seat just trying to ignore it, but he's, like, <laughs> glued to the, to the table, getting slammed. <laughs>
1: He's just so beyond caring at this point. He just wants it to be over with.
0: He's like the middle of the yin and yang, but he can never just keep it copacetic ever. So now we're back in the theater. Ralph, he's ready to present Wacky Deli to his bosses. Starts Wacky Deli, it's really crude drawings. Dude's really shitty. It animates worse than like an adult swim's wet dream. (laughs)
1: It's like a nightmare, honestly. It's yeah. just horrifying. And they keep reusing the same frames over and over again because those are the only ones they had done.
0: Exactly. They just keep like sliding frames across. It has Filbert just keep yelling, I am the cheese. <laughs> I am better than salami and Benny combined. <laughs> and it, cut, it cuts in real pictures of meatloaf. Like real people smashing <laughs> meatloaf
1: yeah it's some lady showing up a meatloaf tray and then she just dips her hand in and just starts squishing it
0: what's funny is i read somewhere on there that joe murray tried to get away with that during the show he tried to make something like really crazy and they wouldn't let him so he just said you know what we'll film our own hand smashing meatloaf and we'll put it in some episode <laughs> <laughs>
3: of Blue? this meatloaf, and the pineapples give it a festive Blue? touch. Uh, I am the cheese. I am the best character on the show. I am better than both the salami and the bologna combined. Blue? I am Blue. the best Whoa, character on the... The meatloaf should be spongy, yet firm
2: salami better than the be better than the, the... embrace
1: it so what'd you think
0: <laughs> we, we love it <laughs> turns out bosses fucking love it they're like this is gonna be a hit dude
1: his executive bosses are pigs, which is supposed to be a really obvious sight gag. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Just anytime they get excited about anything, they start squealing and hollering.
0: Same with, like, the the toadies, the lizards crawling around in the corporate, you know, they're just, like, <laughs> licking. Yeah. The news is in, dude. Wacky Daily is the most popular show ever. Kids are starting to do crazy shit, like, become cheese or put salami in their nose. Yeah, and that of
1: course tips off uh, the propaganda machine of the of the media. And they're saying how oh, this show is basically the devil because kids are imitating it and this and that. Exactly. The, the, most... execs, the execs, the are watching this and they they just turn to each other and say, you know what? I think we've got a massive hit on our hand And they just get even more excited.
0: They're stoked as shit. The better and better this goes, they don't care what it does to the, the population. Who cares? Oh um, yeah, and
1: they they make a they make a show about calling out how kids from from all over the country, from uh, what was it, Gaborville, California, to Ogallala, Nebraska. Yeah, <laughs> I decided to look up Ogallala, Nebraska. It is a real place. Yeah, uh, as of 2018, it has a approximately 4,500 people living there, and pretty much the only images that came up when I tried to look it up is some strip they have of what looks like a out of a 1950s cowboy western set it's got big white lettering like you know what each of the buildings are i think it's a hotel or something like that i honestly have no idea
0: oh shit they got western themed hotels there dude we're going <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm pretty sure there's Ogallala aquifers right isn't that where they are oh maybe i'm pretty sure that's where it is yeah anyway <laughs> So Ralph is in his office, dude. He's fuming as fuck. He's so mad that this thing became a hit. He's stuck now. He says, what the fuck? I'll never be able to get out of here. I'll never be able to make my masterpiece. He, he comes up with the idea. He must sabotage the show now. He goes to the crew and he suggests, hey, you know what? Cut everything you just did for this episode. Let's just show 10 minutes straight of mayonnaise. Just a bucket <laughs> of mayonnaise. And Rocco's hella confused. He's like, "Wait a minute, what do you mean?" And Ralph just keeps pushing. He's like, "No, trust me. This is brilliant. We'll just do ten straight minutes of mayonnaise." Cut to the wacky, wacky deli, wacky deli. Yeah. Intro. <laughs> TV's tune in. Boom. Mayonnaise and elevator music for ten straight minutes. <laughs>
1: I don't even think it's elevator music. I think they just played the the dial tone sound of the the TV being tuned off or no. it's just oh that- yeah beeping noise for the entire way through
0: it's so funny dude and then newsflash guess what fans fucking love it of course
1: yeah because it's so avant-garde
0: you see uh-huh and of course ralph hates this he's trying to get to work and fans bombard him they break his car up and shit one of the voices is actually one of the popular cow and chicken voices it's cow they brag about taking all of his shit that one guy's like i got a tire one guy's like i got his scalp <laughs> yeah <laughs>
2: Creator of Wacky Deli. I got one of his tires.
0: I got a tremendous chunk of his scalp. Inside the crew, they're almost done with another episode. They're about to finish it, but they have to turn the lights off and they have to press it. You know, don't expose it to light. Outside, Ralph is walking by and he actually hears this and he gets the bright idea and bombs in turns the lights on and is like oh no did i ruin your film they're so sad and ralph says you know what fuck it let's just run it anyways who cares newsflash people fucking love it 10 yeah. minutes of straight darkness and ralph is fucking losing his mind
1: yeah i think the the headline for the newspaper says it's literally just 10 minutes of blank screen <laughs> yeah
0: it was it was just a black square in the newspaper it said 10 minutes of black darkness <laughs> It's so popular that Ralph has to, like, push a fake dummy Ralph down the street so the fans tear him up and destroy him, and then he can finally sneak in when they leave. Cut back to the, the Big Head's home. They're flirting. Mrs. Big Head, Mr. Big Head, they're running around the house flirting with each other. Mr. Big Head's in like a hamster ball rolling around after her. Ralph shows up. He's fucking lost, dude. He can't even, like, focus anymore. He hates Rocco and his friends so much, and guess what? We can finally connect with Mr. Big Head, his dad who also <laughs> despises Rocco's existence.
1: Yes, for him to give him a hug through the hamster roll, of course.
0: Oh, yeah. He guides him all the way down, uh, tales from the crypt-type cellar hallway, down into, like, a big laboratory type of deal.
1: Yeah, big James Bond supervillain type. Yep. Lip.
0: Which is funny, because he rarely... Rocco's modern Life isn't really kind of like that, to do, like, you know, supervillain shit. But on this <laughs> episode, it fits perfectly. Yeah. And he goes down and he reveals a heat ray. <laughs> he plans the laser and heat, and heat him up and kill him. And Ralph's like, nah, man, I don't want to kill anybody. I just want to ruin the show. I want to destroy its existence from history. Yeah. He says,
1: oh, well in that case, I've got (laughs) several satellites orbiting the Earth. I could aim my laser at one of these satellites and it could refract perfectly on both of the North Poles and the South Pole at the same time, (laughs) causing a massive flood in the entire world and drowning the studio.
0: Yeah, he's willing to flood the entire planet to destroy the studio. And and (laughs) Ralph's like, hell yeah, and they pull the trigger together.
1: (laughs) But Dad, I just want to get rid of the studio and every shred of evidence of Wacky Deli. I don't want to hurt Rocco.
3: Oh. Well, in that case, if my calculations are correct, we just fire a beam 35 degrees north by northwest. (laughs) After refracting off one of my Rocco surveillance satellites, the split beam should strike the Earth's polar caps, the melted ice should send a wall of water straight for Hollywood, erasing big head studios and wacky (laughs) Dilly from existence!
0: (laughs) Thanks, Dad. The laser tags the caps As Heffer is like pulling up to the studio In his crappy car and he's singing the Wacky Deli song His car gets a flat tire And he goes to fix it And he accidentally ends up jacking the building And the whole studio up You know, (laughs) typical cartoon fashion (laughs) Right Which ends up saving the studio And only the studio Because the rest of the world floods But the studio is afloat (laughs) Turns out Wacky Deli is the only show left <laughs> <Entire world>. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph is completely losing it at this point. He can't even fly a helicopter into the studio over the water because the fans are in boats, like tagging it and shooting it down.
1: <laughs> uh. Ralph just walks into the studio so defeated. He sees that they've got a reel in hand and he just (laughs) takes it from them and starts eating it. And of course, Rocco's like, oh, well, that's not the reel we had for the show. That was some other different show we were working on. Here's the actual
0: show. Yeah, and and Ralph immediately starts spilling his beans, how he hates this. He wants out. And meanwhile, he's like spitting out pieces of reel all over their faces and shit. (laughs) He he claims he can't stay in the show. He just wants to get out of this fucking nightmare of a contract. Rocco, being the the nice, positive person that Rocco always is, he gives like a uplifting speech, which of course convinces Ralph. You know what, dude? You're an artist. You're gonna show the world that you have the best. He has. He says, "Yeah, Rocco. Yeah, Rocco. Yeah, Rocco.
1: Yeah, Rocco." <laughs> he says,
0: "I'm gonna make the best show ever." Cut to the TVs. They're tuning in intro is kind of like a Fantasia song as the characters start dancing. Three seconds in it, goes stamp (laughs) cancelled. Newspapers claim it's the worst show ever. Fans are all gone. Nobody gives a shit about Ralph Bighead anymore. Cut to the future in the desert. Uh, Crazy old Ralph is climbing a mountain with a bunch of spoons in his hand and he's got a big beard and long hair now. He claims his masterpiece is complete and it shows he carved a fruit display in a, in the mountain you know like uh about rush but yeah exactly crazy horse and stuff yep and just as he claims this to the world a hillbilly walks up and says yeah that's not too bad have you ever seen that show wacky tally <laughs> it's really good
1: that first season though not the second season when they got that stupid guy to get in and ruin
0: (laughs) at this point ralph's completely toast it pans out his world's over credits not so happy ending for ralph in this (laughs) (sighs) Rocco. in the end though ralph really did create one of the biggest masterpieces it was the best show ever and to the point that it flooded the planet to keep it around
1: yeah, well, the uh, the point Rocco makes is he says that uh, instead of whining and complaining about your situation, you just have to realize that you have a golden opportunity, and you just make the best of what you got.
0: Exactly. Use your platform. You know, do what you can do whether you have it. Ralph was actually voiced by Joe Murray, the creator of Rocco's Modern Life, in this episode.
1: <laughs> I figured, because yeah. he didn't sound like a, a voice actor. He just sounded like a guy.
0: Yeah, this was like a completely personal episode for him. So just like the character of Ralph Bighead, Murray wanted to get out of his job, and he was nearing the end of his contract, and he wanted to move on so badly... Uh, someone brought up in an old Dole promotion film about putting pineapple on meatloaf, and that's where that that thing from earlier came to be. Uh, they yeah. wanted they wanted to use that promotion in their footage, but they couldn't get permission. So Murray was like, "Fuck it, we'll just create our own pineapple meatloaf montage where we punch it." <laughs> and they put it in the Wacky Dilly sequence, thinking it would be bad enough that the company would hate it. But sure enough, it didn't. He actually named his character Ralph Bighead. As in, well, obviously it's Big Head's son, but Ralph is homage to Ralph Bakshi, who is known as one of the uh, greatest, exactly, he's known as one of the greatest creators of all time Uh, for Fritz the Cat, De- Deputy Dog, things like that. Wizards. Yes. Uh, yep. Lots of stuff. He did one
1: that actually commercially successful. Oh, Fire and Ice. That's one of my favorite movies of all
0: time. Big time. Yes, exactly. There's many sexual references, like, you know, the phone sex one and things like that that we already saw in this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The chicken joint that they always eat at was originally called Choky's Chicken. (laughs) (laughs) And by season three, people figured it out and they actually had to change it to Chewy's chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They they were they would throw in stuff like that all the time just to like see what they could sneak through. That's awesome. There was actually an episode in the first season, I think it was like episode three, that aired for a while until it had a bunch of parent complaints. It was about Mrs. Bighead was really lonely and she was like mad at Mr. Bighead about how he treats her. So she seduces Rocco, has him come over and do a bunch of chores as she's like tanning up, you know, and and stuff like that.
1: I remember that episode, yeah. She was like assaulting him, basically. Yeah, she was
0: sexually assaulting him, but that episode was completely cut. I'm sure you can find it somewhere on the internet, but it doesn't come in any of these packages that you can buy.
1: My friend was telling me how one of the only episodes she saw of Cow and Chicken, which I think is completely scrapped as well, was, a uh, there was these, uh, I don't know what the context was, but these two women come to their house, and they're obviously supposed to be lesbians, but they don't outright say that. But they get down onto the floor and start eating their carpet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah dude Cow and Chicken was dope man that was one of the best ones oh, man. it even had its its second thing was I.R. Baboon that was good too yeah that was a great show I guess as the show goes how many spunkies out of five would you give this show spunky <laughs> um,
1: five drooling slobbery spunkies out of five this is definitely one of those classic shows where you don't think about it much but if you go back and watch the episodes like you said there's so many things that you miss when you're a kid and it's, it's got more layers than you would think, especially with this episode. I've got a few things to say about it, like I was telling you before the show. It's uh, similar to another episode from uh, another cartoon, a Kirby cartoon, funnily enough, where you know, part of this episode is complaining about what it's being like being an artist, but then the other part of it is showing the viewer the process and how chaotic uh, creative endeavors, especially a TV show, can be that episode of Kirby is the exact same thing. It's basically just completely fourth wall breaking down. Like, this is what it's like to run an animation studio. It's a lot of work and a lot of people need to be involved in order for it to go through. And even when you have everybody agreeing on the same thing, if you've got like creative decisions and things to mess up the show, it can ruin the production and make things just a nightmare for everybody. So I appreciated that part of it. But... The other portion of the show about what it's like being an artist and having people not really appreciate your work or being stuck in contracts and stuff like that. It's pretty similar to the other Nickelodeon show, Squidward Tentacles. Basically, his whole character essentially is being a guy who thinks that nobody really understands his work and he's this super creative person and he just wants to live his life that way but i think a uh, part of it with this particular episode though is that he's the creator is represented in both ralph and rocco in rocco's speech he has at the end about having an opportunity and things like that but also just his cynicism and his his just not really caring anymore about the the industry from ralph's perspective i think it's one of those things where when it comes to being a creative person i think that's always the the struggle you have to get through is you want to you want to live your life to where you can create your art, but if you do it for money, then obviously people are going to have all their fingers in the pie. They're going to try and control what your art says and how it is depicted and things like that. And depending on your artistic endeavors, it's one of those things where if you're trying to get started, if you're trying to work on a passion project or whatever, you really can't look at it from the perspective of other people don't get me you have to look at it from the perspective of i want to make this therefore i'm going to do it and just disregard what everyone else thinks like don't make art to make money make art because you want to make art
0: i love everything you just said art is an expression it doesn't if you're making art for a purpose of making money you'll never make art Mm -hmm. that's the problem i always hate hearing the stories about like really artistic people or really expressionistic, if that's even a word, people that uh, they work for like a company, like let's say even Nickelodeon, I'm sure, where they're constantly telling you like, no, take this out. All right, now change this, change how this guy looks, you know, anything like that. A trivia even along that line, I didn't even have written down, but I remembered is Rocco was originally yellow, but Nickelodeon had a toy deal with some company that didn't want him to be yellow. They wanted him some different color. So they changed him to this tan color and then the toy company dropped out anyway so they changed the whole show just for this toy deal i mean i think it works better anyways but still it's not his original idea and uh i love that shows back then weren't afraid to take that bullet you know what i mean like cancel me dude what are you gonna do but i'm gonna tell the world how i feel right now through the only platform that i have you know
1: And that's another thing i wanted to get into too is it's so crazy Nickelodeon is and you see this with a lot of companies mtv and even cartoon network too after a certain point but they got better eventually uh these companies are built on the backs of people just expressing themselves just like being original and just letting their creativity run wild but then they get to a point where they're so big that they're afraid to fail and they don't understand why Trying to market to a lowest common denominator or trying to play it safe doesn't make them money. It's because nobody wants to watch that. Nobody wants to, nobody cares about any of that.
0: They live off like the same tropes that worked in the past, but it's not made by the same people. So it's always like a lost idea. You know what I mean? Hmm. Like, it, let's say something simple like iCarly or something, right? And then they go on and try to make other Disney type shit like iCarly, but it's never going to be good like that. You <sighs> know what I mean? So. Just let the creators create, dude. That's the biggest thing. If I was ever like a billionaire or something and I had like an idea to do, like, I'm going to start a studio. We're going to make animation or something. I would just let them do their thing. I would be the face of the media. I would take all the blame or whatever the hell happens. Right. Because I mean, it's
1: like, what's the worst thing gonna happen? Like, you're not going to get a lawsuit or anything. Like, as long as you're not literally espousing, like, killing people or whatever. Right. Like, the worst thing I can remember from cartoon censorship, which kind of makes sense, I guess, was uh, back in the day, there was a big controversy about a kid who supposedly watched an episode of of Beavis and Butthead and, like, burned down his school or a house or some crap like that. Because Beavis was so obsessed with burning things and being a pyromaniac and stuff. And so a lot of episodes that had that kind of humor of just that, that physical slapstick gag getting caught on fire or just going up in flames had to be censored because of that whole controversy and that's you know fine don't don't show kids that playing in, with fire is fun or funny or whatever but just let people be people. Like, the worst that can happen is you get a bunch of angry phone calls and angry news media outlets like we saw in the episode. But all that does is just draw more attention to the show and then you make
0: more money. Exactly, dude. Like, they act like Beavis and Butthead caused that kid to burn his house down. Meanwhile, he's probably watching, like, Lethal Weapon or something. You know, like, any any action movie. Yeah. For some reason, they always go for the small media, like you kind of hinted at, like, with video games all throughout the 90s and to some degree today they blamed like shit columbine they blamed on doom of all things because the kid had a doom game installed on his computer
1: yeah you know who else had doom <laughs> in the 90s everyone who owned a yeah. computer
0: literally one of the biggest games known to man and only one event happened with a kid who owned it but we reg- i yeah i digress is this the first time you you've seen Rocco before right oh
1: absolutely oh okay. this was one of those shows though where I was probably watching Nickelodeon around the time where it was it stopped going on air or whatever, so I only caught like a few episodes. And the episodes I did catch, I was probably way too young to remember any of them. I do think I vaguely remember some aspects of the episodes that we watched though, so some something's coming back in my brain, some dusty cabinet way back in the corner, getting well, brushed off. It's
0: well, dude. I'm slowly buying all the seasons on Amazon, so if you ever feel the need to watch it, go for it. I don't even care. You uh, can even pick up for the show. I don't care. And I will tell you, if you do, if you decide to like, you don't have to watch it all, but if you decide to dive through Rocco's Modern Life and like view a bunch of episodes or something, I will tell you or ask you, I guess, to take the time afterwards at some point to watch the movie on Netflix that just came out this last year it's literally the funniest shit ever he's like he he pulls on every single nostalgic heartstring but also telling you like why do you want this crap like it's been like 30 years you know yeah, yeah it's he you know how he is we just watched Dell. you know how aware of everything he is yeah, cynical yeah kinda... basically he's like why do you keep asking me for the shit i don't want to do it you know but really netflix mostly really just tossed like a blank check at him or something
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. so he's like all right fine mm-hmm. i'll make something so they stop asking me it's so Oh, that was, that was one thing i wanted to i forgot so uh the point about the fans coming and and ripping them to pieces and stuff like that obviously it's a funny gag because it's uh, you know that's just kind of what happens when you're famous or yeah um the thing is uh it can be taken kind of metaphorically too because the fans are coming and they're ripping apart his car and even taking pieces of his body or whatever and i think this is a problem that happens with smaller media like animation and things like that where it feels a little more personable like you're not this big hollywood star with your name on a huge billboard or whatever you're not making millions of dollars but you're still making things that people care about but when people care about stuff, they start getting invested in it. And some people, when they get invested in this stuff, they become obsessed with it and they feel like they have... Some weird form of privilege to it, almost like how you always hear about the the negative Star Trek, uh, negative stereotypes with Star Trek fans and stuff, and how they're really anal about everything and they nitpick episodes and stuff like that, and they they harass the stars at conventions and things like that. I think that particular scene is a metaphor just for what it's like to be that kind of entertainer and feeling like. People own parts of you somehow. I even, there's this YouTuber I watch who had gone off the platform for years now and he suddenly came back like not a month ago just to, to answer questions because people still to this day send him emails and messages and comments on his videos and stuff about how he doesn't make the kind of content that they want anymore and how he abandoned his fan base and this and that. And he just had to, he just got so fed up with it that he just had to come out and just be like, listen, I don't owe you guys Anything like you want what I don't want to do with anymore. Like, I don't want to do this stuff. You guys don't want to see this stuff because I'm not going to be able to put effort into it because I don't care.
0: Exactly. I feel like that's a problem that a lot of these guys have, along mm-hmm. the same lines as I said you or I just told you about, like his movie where he's like, "Why the fuck do you want this garbage?" You know, <laughs> like I'm done. Exactly. I'm, it's even like um, if you ever seen the movie Misery, the Stephen King movie. Yeah, exactly. Where she like keeps him captured just so he creates exactly the the image she wants.
1: Yeah, the the really obvious metaphor with that, and not the the Stephen King metaphor where he says it's about his addiction to cocaine or.
0: whatever. Well, it could have been too, because that dude was on some fucking monster drugs for the majority of his career, dude.
1: For sure, for sure. But like, obviously, even <laughs> if he didn't intend to, the the subtext of that movie is fan ownership and obsession. Yeah. And
0: What he doesn't understand, or at least what he's not willing to admit, is the emotion that he was going through at that moment in time Mm. was just driven by the drugs, even more so. And that's what he wrote about, but he's blaming it on the drugs. It's like, yeah, you were so high, you probably don't remember it, but the emotion that you had at that moment, like you're probably pissed at fans and stuff, and (laughs) you went along and made misery the fans a monster. So, right. Uh, Yeah.
1: I, I definitely get that. Like, you definitely don't want to publicly say, like, "Yeah, I hate my fans because they're fucking annoying."
0: Yeah. So you have to do it. You have to treat them too. You have to. You have to give them what they want, but also send your message too. You know. Yeah. You can't what just. A
1: weird, what a weird s- spot to be in that would be as well. Just like trying to indirectly tell somebody that you basically hate them.
0: Yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, unfortunate, but at the same time. That compressed artistry gave us some of the best shit in our lives. Not just shows, but, you know, across the world. So Mm. it's a catch twenty two, man. Just imagine a world if we just let art art go. Let it be free, dude. Yeah. Wild. But yeah, man, do you have anything else to say about that, Greg, before I move on?
1: uh that's about it it's just watching these old shows they just they always make you think about stuff like that about just the creative process and what's allowed to be put on tv and what isn't and why we don't see shows like this that much anymore
0: it's the secret gasps for help that the uh, artists are laying out underneath the show remember rick and morty did it where uh, was it baby rick or young rick was like i'm dying inside when he would sing (laughs) yeah help me out i never loved it but morty yeah morty was like i uh, i think something's wrong <laughs> that's basically what these shows are you know like we're gra- gasping for air because we're being squeezed creatively but anyway well greg as a parting question i guess i think i'm gonna ask if we ever do these tv shows is this a show that you would watch more of or possibly show somebody else if they hadn't seen it
1: Oh, absolutely! I mean, just this one episode alone—the Ralph Bighead episode—is it's it's good enough to stand on its own. Just from a point of dissection and like, look how much we've already talked about it. Like, and there's so much more that like, you can get into that. And Rocco's Modern Life has tons of episodes like this. I'm sure.
0: Exactly. What's funny is I was really torn. I texted you like a long message. I was really torn on which episodes to show because. A lot of Rocco's Modern Life deals with that, and a lot of it's still modern-day fucking problems, which is crazy. And the original episode I had before I finally decided on Wacky Daily, just because I can't leave that iconic episode out, is called Zanzibar, and it's a musical about global warming and how we need to, like, (laughs) stop fucking around and shit. And this is 1993 or whatever, bro. So, Mm. it's just crazy how...
1: I was just thinking about how there was a musical episode...
0: Yeah, dude. Rock is my life. Who knows? It could have uh, sown the seeds in the back of my brain to someday open my mind before everyone else around me did, apparently.
1: Maybe. I feel that way about a lot of the shows I watched as a kid, honestly.
0: It's true. That's the thing. Being somewhat of a, like a, a cable guy life growing up i think all that shit just hit me away and then also seeing like parents or grandparents struggle through the society like work and shit anyway i think all of that like piled onto itself made me what i am today where i'm just like fuck you i'll yeah. find i'll find something else you know
1: yeah, I'll, I'll find a path that doesn't make me miserable
0: i ain't dying you know if I, if the next job sucks so what this one does too mm-hmm. well thanks for listening to another episode of dick's Talk Flicks. Hopefully you enjoyed this different take and see you next time. I am the cheese. (laughs) I am the
1: cheese. I'm better than all of you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Bye.
3: It's all in my head, but I'm sorry that you feel like you're dead, dude. To the guy who was high on the roof And he didn't come down till he came down And you should really fucking cross your heart And hope to die, this place sucks I wonder why everything is like This is just government and it's politics And they brainwash these little kids in rural towns to make them think they should just all think the same This fucking stuck in my brain It's really weird, I think I'm going insane Now To the kid who just didn't know that when I sit on his bus, who just wanna go home I really think that he should settle down and find a place to find himself Or find a way to really appreciate this life that he made And I just really hope that it doesn't come true That weird dream about the woods and the bear that you knew it's in your head They sell water soon enough they'll sell air They sell dirt and no one even cares, some day someone will buy the whole fucking moon Then charge to the change the tides and you'll perish <laughs>
1: Online dip uh, is vanilla uh, ice cream with fudge.
3: Can't see, can't hear, ready to dip. Uh, ooh,
2: oh, oh, It's cold. Hey, oh, maybe not. Oh, no, yeah, it's cold, it's cold. Oh, and sweet. Oh, Kind of smooth, kind of creamy, and, uh, oh, simmer down stick. Oh, 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 I gotta guess dip so I can be lifted out. Uh, I gotta guess, gotta guess, gotta guess. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, vanilla ice cream with, uh, fudge. Oh, oh,
0: oh, oh. Nah, could you dip me in a cup of cocoa? Huh, yeah.